I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. So as we went to break, we were talking about uh, the University of Alabama, the University of Alabama, and some of the things that their administration are doing. One is they're telling uh, staff and, and faculty that they are not to tell students if somebody in their class has tested positive. Now, obviously, they're not supposed to ID specific individuals, but they're saying you can't even say, hey, somebody in this class tested positive just so you're aware. Uh, watch your symptoms and, and get tested you know, soon if you feel like you think you might be coming down with something. Or get tested if you're concerned, if you have a pre-existing condition. And, and I think that that is a violation of their rights to speech. If I have that information, uh, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to share health information with those who might have been exposed. And the school asking them not to do that is... Uh, is wrong on so many levels. Um, yeah, there are times when you're asked and you sign something by your employer to say, I won't disclose uh, trade secrets or, or work product so that you know, that company can maintain some, some um, you know, technological advance or lead that they have over competition. But the idea that you would not provide health information to a student body because the faculty has been banned from talking about it is baloney. Um, likewise, they uh, have also said that they are banning uh, gathering in common spaces in both dorms and in fraternity space and sorority space. And, uh, you know, something that didn't occur to me, and I know this is a case too, is some colleges provide the fraternity and sorority space. So that might be a, um, a uh, it might not be a live or, or might not be a private, um, private space. It, you know, like it's not private property. A lot of uh, other college campuses, the space that is, um, that is used by the fraternities and sororities is privately owned by the fraternities and sororities, in which case then the school clearly has no authority whatsoever to say who meets when and where. And, and, you know, and then the layout of some places too, the common space is where they live. I mean, essentially everybody's room is, is a very tiny room. It's a bed. That's about it. And that the place where people gather, sit, study, watch television, you know, that's, that's, that's their living room. And you're going to say they have to stay locked up in their bedrooms in 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 a in a, that instance. It doesn't make sense, um, you know. Especially primarily when you look at how they are trying to break people up. They're saying that you need to stay in cohorts. So like, uh, if you're if you're opening up a sport, for instance, they want you to gather a group of nine people or ten people and say that group will always meet together as a group, and then other people on the team will meet in another group of 10. So that way, if there's a positive test that you've exposed that 10 people, not uh, the entire team because you're meeting with different groups of uh, different mixes of the 10 or those 20 people at different times. So you can trace it back and say that group needs to now isolate for a period of time because somebody in that group tested positive. And so um, that's part of how 
they're handling the reopening of sports and that makes perfect sense if you've got a group of people living in a house together um, you know whether or not they should be on campus at all is you know another debate I don't know that they should but I don't know that they shouldn't either I think that you know schools are making different decisions some are saying we're gonna try to have students on campus and others are saying no you know and I think time will tell they're gonna try and we'll see what works better and we'll know what works and what doesn't and why it works and why it doesn't well you know it'll be studied and so um, you know kids are being guinea pigs in a sense in that in that we're seeing what happens and I don't know how many of them are on campus versus not and you know I think each school sort of making their own way in that in that sense um, you know it's uh, it's tough biz right it's tough out there to figure it out and uh, you know education it can happen with remote learning but it's it's not the same um, as being able to sit and, and ask a question of your teacher your professor your um, uh, your student teacher proctor <laughs> whomever they stick in the classroom there sometimes some colleges that's an issue um, you know so I mean I guess the best we can do is just say that some of that stuff is going to have to boil out in the mix and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm curious, I'm just checking right now, I have a uh, graduate from the swim team that I coach who is attending Harvard this fall and last I heard they were starting online but that they would then be moving some freshmen online. Uh, so we'll see what be happening there. I am happy to say that uh, my uh, I've got two daughters, both of them still taking college classes, one's working on a master's degree and she's doing an online program and so it was designed that way so she doesn't go into classes anyway and the other one is doing a combination of online and in classroom stuff but the in classroom stuff was already set up into small cohorts of like 10 or less people and so hopefully um, you know that will be uh, handled well um, the one that is uh, on campus is doing a, uh, a baking program she is in a culinary program and so they are um, hyper aware of cleanliness and uh, and so there you know it plays into handling this well in that you know, the only addition is that they're adding masks, but they were already, and, and possibly gloves, they were already, you know, wearing smocks and cleaning and keeping everything um, as uh, neat and clean as possible. And so uh, good healthy habits, good healthy habits. So it looks like Harvard is returning to campus, that there are um, uh, a variety of things. They've set up testing on campus so that kids can get tested and trying to set up contact tracing for on-campus communities as well so that's interesting um, I wonder if you know a lot of campuses have a campus app that they use and if they add contact tracing to that and that that app is something that everybody pretty much has on their phone and if it has access to Bluetooth then it can use the underlying um, infrastructure that was designed by Apple and Google for Android and iOS devices so that uh, if 
if uh, you know one of us is in proximity to another of us that we are able to um, to make sure that or, or to track it anyway to see there without without losing any personal information you know it just says you were within X amount of feet for X amount of time of somebody who then later tested positive um, and that you should go get tested to see I think that makes a lot of sense the way they've set that up so that it's not it's not using a GPS to say you know that you were in this location and this other person was in this location what they're doing is they're saying because Bluetooth can tell proximity uh, within 30 meters um, they can just say hey you know you were within 10 feet of somebody who tested positive and you stayed in that position relative to each other for a period of time and that you know if, if it's a, you know past somebody on the sidewalk or in a hallway there's very little chance of transmission but if you are you know standing in a line in a queue and they're you know in front of you or behind you breathing on you even if you're six feet apart that that um, is a higher chance of transmission and so um, you know the uh, the idea of the using the Bluetooth to do uh, proximity tracing so that you can tell if you've been in in contact with somebody makes a lot of sense and since a lot of colleges have built-in apps that makes sense too that they could just you know use your use your Harvard app or your Cal State San Bernardino app um, as your contact tracing and you can even set it up so that it's an opt-in thing you know um, although I would probably say default it being on and have people opt out as opposed to opt in since you're not using any of their personal information or anything it's not a um, you know it's not a violation of their privacy in any way other than uh, just telling it's just providing some information about you know uh, proximity to somebody who may or may not have been exposed uh, letting you know whether you may or may not have been exposed so hmm yeah I like that idea colleges go do that just whip one out just get that 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 uh, app out there right away you know you've got a computer science department they could probably knock that out and in in an afternoon RRR we'll see uh, what happens with all that stuff um, yeah I don't know um, let's see you know, there's been a lot of conversation about the the raw numbers of of um, COVID in the United States, and a lot of people are uh, talking about how how bad uh, it is here. But again, we have a lot of people, and we're also doing a lot of good testing. But if you really want to know where it's bad, um, the number if, if you do the number per population so you do the number per million people or the number of of deaths per hundred thousand people or something like that then you get a number that is directly comparable from country to country and the worst country in terms of survivability of covid turns out to be peru peru is number one they lose uh, 170 or 873 people per million now realize that's that's fractions of a percent right so it's 873 per million uh, Belgium is second 854 per million okay then the United Kingdom Chile Italy Sweden Brazil 
the United States, Mexico, and France. Those are the top 10. The U.S. number is 533 per million. 533, so uh, a little more than half of the uh, 873, um, maybe two-thirds of the uh, number of people per million lost to COVID-19. And, you know, we've been creeping up, creeping up, getting close to 200,000 people in the United States that have died. Uh, here's Aaron. Welcome. Hello, hello. Sorry, I'm uh, late joining you. No problem. We presume you were having important discussions about news-related and, and radio-related stuff. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I was. I was. There's some, some changes in the way the news is done at KCAA, and so I was... Uh, uh-huh. Uh, talking with them about talking with the yes with them about that getting the so. scoop getting the scoop well, on the news they use westwood one uh for mm-hmm. their news updates well westwood one has just been um uh has just ended like they're not doing news anymore mm-hmm. and so now there's a new way and it's you know whether they have nbc news or some other local news right um and nbc news isn't every hour it's you know anyway it's and that's what they. That's what we were talking about. We're talking about the news. The news. Oh, so I guessed absolutely correctly. That's that's incredible. That is. <laughs> of all the topics I could have picked to talk about, it was news and radio, and those are the things. <laughs> those are the things you were talking about. Go figure. I'm. Well, you know, it's a news radio station. I'm psychic. <laughs> you are psychic. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, I was talking. I, I continued to talk about uh, the. the um, online or you know schools and stuff and i i did a quick check to see i've got a student who graduated this past year among several but um, on my swim team who who was set to attend harvard as a freshman and at one point they were telling her that she would just be online but i looked at their website and harvard is actually doing people on campus as well so um, oh good yeah so they're doing that you know something that occurred to me and and i i would presume that they should be, uh, I thought it's a good idea, but others may have a differing opinion, is that, you know, both Apple and Google um, created an infrastructure for uh, contact tracking that didn't save or use your GPS in any way, shape, or form. All it did was if somebody has self-reported that they had tested positive, then it used Bluetooth to say that, hey, you were in contact with this person for an extended period of time at this location. Or not even at this location. They just say you spent, you know, X amount of time within proximity to this person over the course of the last like week or something like that. So, so it didn't it didn't track your location. It didn't tr- track any information about you or the other person. All it did it just said that you know somebody who self reported being positive, you were within proximity of that person for a period of time, and so that way you know, it, like if you're passing in the hallway, chances of transmission are pretty slim, but you know, if say you're standing, you know, queued up in a line with somebody behind you for for ten minutes trying to get through a grocery store or something, that there there might be a higher chance of transmission there. And because of the fact that you're within proximity and Bluetooth signals are good up to about thirty meters, but they can also tell when you by 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 evaluating the signal whether somebody's closer to you and they know if they see that other Bluetooth signal for a period of time, so they know that hey you were within, you know, say, 20 feet radius of me or a 10-foot radius of me uh, for, for you know, 
seven or eight minutes, um, that there might be a higher chance of, of rape of transmission and that maybe I then should go get tested because somebody who tested positive sometime in the last 10 days was within proximity to me for a period of time. And I thought that they should just build that into their uh, campus app because virtually every campus now has an app that identify, you know, that that students use to figure out what's going on on campus and uh, to hear about campus news and to uh, be aware of, you know, uh, what's, what events are happening and, and, you know, what food's available and, and what would, when different, um, um, you know, coffee bars are open and things on campus. Thoughts? Yes. No, I think that's an excellent idea. I think you know? it's an excellent idea. Although it might, you know, the thing about it is, is, you know, will it breed panic if, if a lot of people are testing positive or will people become, um, like it becomes the boy crying wolf. Well, pe- everybody then what do I care I'm just gonna not wear my mask I probably have it too yeah I don't know I don't you know? know but I always tend to be one of those who says if there's a fail don't fail on the side of not giving information fail on giving too much information let people make their own decisions now people can be stupid and make bad decisions but they have the right to have the information and make a decision huh. you know my personal feeling. That's why I didn't like the idea of of University of Alabama telling professors don't tell some tell don't tell your class somebody in here tested positive. I thought you know no tell them somebody because there might be somebody in that classroom I don't care how old they are who might have a sensitivity or have a concern because they have asthma, you know. And normally asthma is not something that says I'm not going to go to school, but you might say hey I'm not going to go into that classroom, uh, you know if somebody in there tested positive and they're letting them, st- and, and that person's still testing positive, you know? Yep. Sorry. I'm paying attention to the road. I hate well, that's a good thing. Cut <laughs> you off and they're driving significantly slower. And, you know, I had the right of way and the stupid minivan cut me off. Well, minivans. Enough said. <laughs> Hey, I used said. to drive a minivan, minivan, and I was a mad mom in a minivan. There yeah. slow about it. Yeah. No, my <laughs> wife drove a minivan, too, and she drove it like she was in the Indy 500. Uh, <laughs> now, it's funny. I, I tease her, but, you know, if you, you, the two of us drive differently. She definitely drives faster than I do. She gets impatient with me when I'm driving, um, especially if it's a long-haul drive. So, like, if we're driving a long distance... She, she would rather be the person driving. I drive, you know, five to not necessarily ten, but, you know, usually about five miles an hour slower than she does. And that bothers her. She wants to go. She wants to get there as quick as she can, especially if we're, like, out on the highway trying to go somewhere, you know, if we're visiting family that's a couple hundred miles away or more. Um, it's, it's funny. But we get to the location where we're in a town or a city that she's not familiar with, and she doesn't want to drive then. Then it's like, okay, we'll trade places, which works See, out I- fine. Because I have no anxiety. Is fine with me. It's, yeah. it's heavy traffic that I hate. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody enjoys heavy traffic. But, but like, it, it sends me yeah. over the edge. I really yeah. hate it. I yeah. like, really, really, really hate it. Yeah. And so Tobin, yeah. if, if, if I know we're... Although he's a much better... I'm a lousy navigator. I usually drive. I mean, most of the time when it's Tobin and me together in mm-hmm. the car, I usually am the one behind the wheel. Right. Yeah, I usually am, um, especially if we're like around here and we're, you know, if we're going down to visit, you know, driving over to visit you guys or driving, you know, down to Huntington Beach to to, uh, 
uh, see her brother's family. Um, I usually drive, but um, like I said, usually city driving, I do that. She just doesn't like it as much, um, but she gets anxious when I um, on the, uh, on the on the highway. She doesn't like it when I drive as uh, as, sl- as slow. Plus, um, quite frankly, when we're driving long haul driving because of my back issues, I get really uncomfortable, and so sometimes it's easier for me to lay the chair back. And oh, so fair if she's, enough. you can't do it, that while you're driving. Right? Yeah, I can't really lay down when I'm driving the car. They don't have that autopilot working quite yet, although some people <laughs> seem to think so. Some people, yeah. So, um, something we didn't get to during the radio show, but I found interesting was, and this is something I have have been saying for a while, and I wish people would look at these statistics more. You know, people are railing against the United States as the worst place ever because of COVID. Nobody here is handling things right, and it's all, all you know, the 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 president's fault, or it's all not the president's fault, depending on which party you are aligned with. Um, and I wish they would look more at the numbers per million or the numbers per hundred thousand or something, you know, so that it's a, an apples to apples comparison between countries. Because there is the aspect of, A, we're testing better than a lot of, and, and not only testing better, but reporting better than a lot of countries. Because there's yes. a lot of, of um, sort of strong arm countries that where the reporting is bad and even countries that aren't strong arm there's some third world countries where you know their their reporting and testing mechanisms are just not in place um because they've got bigger issues like you know keeping everybody fed and clothed and under under roofs you know and uh and so you get a variety of different things there but the number one country did you you read the article already uh, I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I won't ask you because you already know that Peru is number one in terms of uh, population per million at 873 per million people um, who are. Then this is a death rate. So this is a trailing number. Obviously, it's not just an infection number, but that's a number that you can actually measure pretty easily as opposed to infection numbers where you have to do lots of testing and then, you know. So the only question then becomes, like, if somebody had COVID and they die in a car accident, do you put that down as a COVID death or a car accident? You know, in, in my book, it's a car accident, but some places, you know. Well, there are places in the U.S., but I think in the U.S. they count that as COVID death. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on, on the, I, I don't even think you can say in the U.S. because different states and different localities, even within states, do things slightly differently. So, um, but, uh, you know, Peru at 873 is the highest. And you know what struck me more than anything else of this is that Peru at the highest 873 deaths per million people is a small small fraction less than 1% um you know a minor infinitesimally small percentage of the population. Yes. You know, I mean it's 873 souls and I feel bad for those 873 people per million and I have no idea what the actual population of Peru is total. Uh, and I feel bad about that, but, you know, and the U.S. sits at eighth, 533 per million. And just as an example, because of the population of the United States at 533 per, per million, we're creeping up on 200,000 deaths. But even so, that's a small percentage of the population. Yes, and, and we went, went And you know what? We talked about it and I didn't do my homework. I need to do that. Because uh, remember, I, I asked the question as we were wrapping up yesterday about whether or not, you know, what is the percentage of the population of deaths from other sources and how does this compare? You know, I mean, we're losing our mind and shutting down businesses and destroying our economy. 
uh, because of something that is causing 533 deaths per million. Well, what please, is Google it. Yeah. So uh, let me How see if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because because you know not to say that people who have it like it's not, it's that we don't care about people who die. That's that's a ridiculous straw man uh, argument you put up a straw man that says you don't care like if, if, if you don't if you don't do things the way I want you to you don't you want people to die which is ridiculous it's stupid but do I you know people die from suicide people die from you know other mental health you know homicide they do die of depression and loneliness and you know so there's a there's a, a darker side to keeping us shut down people need to be with people and, yeah. and so you know, I'm not saying that we should open up completely. I'm not saying that we shouldn't open up completely. But let's not pretend that this is a black and white issue. It's not. It's just not. Right. Yeah. Well, and and you know, people are are intentionally uh, picking the way of presenting the numbers to make the case for whatever case it is that they want to make. Um. You know, and and the cynic in me says, <clears throat> this is uh, something that's being played up in a large sense by the liberal media in order to damage the economy, which was going gangbusters, in order to damage the presidency of yes. Donald Trump because they don't want Donald Trump in charge anymore. Yes. Um, and that's a horribly cynical thing to say. I think I it's have true. absolutely no proof of it. But my gut tells me um, that that's, you know, that the hysteria, at least in part. If Biden, wins, if Biden wins, the hysteria goes away right after the election. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Absolutely. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out. If he doesn't win, then we don't know, you know. And at this point, I think it's a toss-up. Yeah, I do, too. I really do, because the the uh, the numbers that Biden is is, is polling with are... Uh, well, I've already talked about my skepticism about the accuracy of the polls in terms of select uh, of identifying people who actually support Donald Trump. I think they don't at all. They fly completely under the radar, and the pollsters don't want to admit that because that would mean that they're you know failing at their job. But they clearly failed at their job last time around. Um, but also, somebody in fact, I think it was Bill Maher pointed out that um, that uh, and he you know fairly well known liberal. That Biden is polling lower than Hillary Clinton did at this point. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And she lost. So what makes him think he's going to win? Yes. You know? Um, yeah, because I don't think he's done anything to reach out to uh, to those people that are, are uh, Trump supporters <laughs> to say, hey, there's a reason you should vote differently this time around. No, I don't believe he's made that case. He's done a lot you of know? demagoguery. Yeah. Trump... Trump's the master demagogue. So if you're trying to beat him at his own game, you're going to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find numbers per million on. Uh, huh. Where are they? These numbers are not set up the same. And so this page is not helping me. So I got to do a little more searching here to find out what's what. Okay, standard age standardized death rate per 100,000. Um, you know, uh, uh, 
we have the flu season coming. Are you going to get a flu shot? I always get a flu shot um, because I, uh, you know, it's funny. I was joking about um, uh, the TV show House saying, um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, sarcoidosis as a sort of off the wall thing, but I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis in 2006 and had some lymph nodes taken out above my heart. I don't usually talk about my, my health so much, but anyhow, um, as a result, um, I have a higher rate of, um, uh, or higher chance of pneumonia and some lung issues. And so I always get the flu shot just to be on the safe side. So in 2017, uh, there were uh, two deaths per uh, 100,000 people of the flu in the United States. So um, uh, according two to deaths. the CDC. Okay. Two. So two per 100,000. We were saying we were like 500 something per million. But if you take the two and the 100,000 and turn it into a million. Um, Quick, do the math. That's a couple thousand per million. Right. Yes. So yeah, I mean, we add two zeros basically, and so two becomes two hundred. You said it was two deaths. Two deaths per per hundred thousand. Right. So, so hundred thousand to become a million, just add one zero. Yes. Right. So that's so, 20. Tw- so it's twenty. Okay, so that is significantly lower than the death rate for um, uh, COVID by a not even close margin. So that was um, in 2017, and I think that... That was uh, one of the worst flu seasons, wasn't it? Was it 2017 or 2018? I've got to be honest with you, I don't remember. 2017, 2018 was one of the really bad ones, but I can't remember which which year it really was. So... um, uh, so this was this. I'm looking at one. Um, so estimated range of annual burden of flu in the U.S. since 2010. This is an aggregate number. There were between 9.3 and 45 million illnesses, uh, 140,000 to 810,000 hospitalizations, and 12 to 12,000 to 61,000 deaths. So, um, yeah. In uh, so yes, and so it looks like so 2019. I found another again, this is on the CDC's website. Uh, in 2019, there were oh my god, it's so hard to look at these big charts on my phone. I'm gonna send this to you, Todd. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like I've looked at some of this stuff in the past, but it's all just kind of you know mushed now. (laughs) There's too much, too much uh, data, and I'm trying to. Cause of death, let's see, cause of death per million in the United States, 12 leading causes of the death in the United States. Let's see if I can find one of those. I'm going to guess that heart disease is up there. Yeah. And for young people, I think the number one, if you're talking about um, young people, minorities, I think you're ta- I think homicide's number one. Yeah, heart disease, number of deaths per year, 635,260 people. Uh, it's 23% of total deaths. But it doesn't give me like the number per. It's just a raw number. Cancer five hundred ninety-eight thousand per year. 
okay? And so by comparing these, you know, these are obviously bigger numbers than the 180,000 and change that we've had from COVID. Um, accidents, unintentional in, in injuries, uh, is 5.9% of total deaths, and that's 161,000. So that's sort of ballpark. Uh, let me see if I can get that link that you just sent. Um, the burden of influenza. I mean, All right. Is so. it enough? And the, the question is, then, is it enough to shut down, to keep shut down, it's already been shut down, a $22 trillion economy? You know. Yeah, I mean that's the question: is is how how is COVID in comparison to other stuff? Um, the 2014-15 year uh, of the influenza was uh, roughly fifty-one thousand deaths. Um, the 2017-18 was sixty-one thousand deaths, and that was the worst one in recent years. Um, uh, 61,000 deaths over that 2017-2018 winter, that flu season. Um, and I had seen numbers in the 60s to 80s, roughly estimated. And all of these things are rough estimates. Um, so 61,000, so we're saying about this is about three times as bad as that so far, COVID is. Of course, we haven't had a season per se, you know, because the flu season sort of starts in the fall and wraps up in the spring. And this seems to have been going, you know, non-seasonal. Or maybe it just has a different season. I don't know. Uh, you know, but it's here we are in September now. And it seems to be sort of waning in some areas. Yep. So, but okay, so it's three times worse than the flu in terms of chance of death. Um, you know, which is the ultimate fear of any disease right i mean is is death you know um you can heal or bounce back from everything else yes you, you don't can. bounce back from death no you don't uh, you just go on to the next thing yeah <laughs> kind of final <laughs> kind of final for this plane of existence <laughs> um yeah see and then last year it was 34,000 so it was like you know a little more than half from the year before. Um, and, and, you know, you never know how it's going to be each, each season. I mean, they try to, um, estimate the CDC tries to estimate how the flu is going to be, but their estimates have been notoriously flaky. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off and it's, you know, they, they're, um, not always equipped to explain why from what I've read this year, because of the, you know, the double risk of, influenza and uh covid that they are strongly recommending that everybody get their flu shots um to take try to take that one out of the out of the mix so um so um yeah. the, the the last big flu pandemic or uh the, was in 1968 it was uh an influenza uh, pandemic that killed a million people worldwide and about a hundred thousand in the U.S. Um, and again, it was the hardest on people over age 65. Uh, this is the um, the H3N2 virus. Uh, it can, it's still out there, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. It's you can still get it. 
which is scary because these things, these these flus, um, they uh, they morph and they they um, change, and so you know they they vaccines are tough with them. So um, in 2009, H1N1 emerged, and um, and uh, it's still around as well. Right. So. Yeah, and and I mean you know we're obviously throwing out these numbers as if they're numbers, but I mean, that's people who caught the flu and died. Um, you know, I mean, I personally know people who caught the flu and died, you know? And so, um, it it can hit you. Yeah. It can hit you very hard. Uh, and, uh, in both cases that I'm aware of, one was a, a, a mother son and the other one was a, uh, young man. Um, they were outwardly healthy with no um, pre-existing conditions that I'm aware of. And one was in their 20s, one was in their late 40s, and well, the other two were both in their late 40s. So I know of three people that died of flu. Wow. That's so, scary. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it's... It's like anything else, you know, like you said, those, those, those varieties, the H1N1 and the H1N3, um, are bad flavors. Oh, flu. Um, there's lots of them out there and every year they try to guess as to which ones are going to be the, the, the primary variants that will cause most of the problems. And so they, they try to predict that and, um, and then build the the flu shot around that. In some years, it's it's pretty spot on and protects you a lot. In other years, it turns out that a different flavor is the one that seems to be running rampant amongst the population, and so the shot doesn't give you as much protection. Either way, it gives you some. And uh, so, go get your flu shots, people. You know. Uh, yeah. Now I say that. In the, I've never had a negative reaction to the flu shot. I know some people do. Uh, my dad, even though he is an elderly gentleman at this point in his life, will not take a flu shot because every time he has gotten a flu shot, he has had flu-like symptoms and felt bad for you know the following week. And and so he has said, you know, I just rather take my chances and see if I catch the flu. Um, now, how much of that is? You know, real versus psychosomatic. I don't know. You know, I could begin to tell you. Um, I get the flu every year, regardless if I get the shot. Mm-hmm. However, I probably will get a shot this year because of the added complication of, of the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you never know. You know, if you had a more mild case because you got the shot or not. Because that's the other thing they tell you is it may not prevent you from getting it, but your body will have antibodies already developed. And so it should be a more mild case, uh, especially if you end up getting a a variation of the flu that isn't directly covered by the shot. But, you know, and that's why I said that even if it's not, even if they're off in terms of predicting which is the more um, popular, popular makes it sound like, you know, hey. Susie says, you know, uh, but the, the, the more prevalent, I think is the better word, uh, prevalent variety of flu that's out there. You know, if they miss that target, you still have some protection just because you'll have affiliated, um, uh, antibodies in there. And so that you should have a more mild case than you would have otherwise had. So it's probably worth it. 
yeah, I, you know, I love you, love my brother. I want you all to be healthy and happy. So exactly. go get your flu shots. I like you on this earth. Yep. I want you to stay on this yep. earth. Yep. When it's when it's your time to go, then I will, um, you know, pray for you on your way. But uh, um, let's not rush that along. You know, I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a firm believer in that that uh, old story about you know the 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 guy who 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 uh, kept turning down help, and then when he was dead and standing before the pearly gates, asked God, "Why didn't you send help?" And the guy says, "You know, hey, I sent this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, and you kept saying no. <laughs> you know, what do you want help to look like?" You know, want me to open the skies and reach down with my hand and lift you? And I was like, no, you know, help looks just like you. That's right. So, um, which the other side of that moral is, is, you know, allow yourself to be the hand of God and offer help. You know? Yes, indeed. You know, what is the inspiration that's moving you to help somebody? You'd never know. Uh, so, so be that, uh, be that help for somebody else if you can. Pass on a kindness. So, especially in this time of COVID, you know, um, uh, I used to carry, and I haven't done it in a while, and I think I might do it again. I used to carry um, like a $5 gift card from McDonald's because you can find a McDonald's, you know, about uh, as far as you can throw a rock, you can find a McDonald's somewhere. And it used to be for a $5 gift card, you could get a small drink, a small fry, and uh, uh, like a double cheeseburger in the $5. I have to check and see if that's still a doable thing. But, uh, you know, and you, off there, like dollar menu, you could get enough stuff that you could actually have a meal. And I used to keep those. And so like when anybody would come up to me and ask for stuff at the gas station or something, I would just give them one of those meal cards and say, you know, go get something to eat on that's me. Good. Have a good day. And that way I wasn't giving out cash that would necessarily be turned into, although they might swap it for, uh, you know, but it wouldn't be turned into to some sort of inebriant that would be furthering their their issues. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I would do that uh, once in a while. You know, there's that guy who's like, "Can can you help me get some gas so I can get on to here?" And you know, and you look at their car and they've got kids in their car. And it's like, "Yeah, bring your car over here. I'll I, I, you know, I'll, I'll pump some gas into your tank." Um, I've done that before too. But uh, I've done that. I, I paid for um, uh, a couple of nights at a motel for a family with little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Be, because, you know, if God puts them in front of me, I figure they're there for a reason. Yeah. And that's, you know, taking care of each other. That's, that's yeah. what we do. That's the and, rent we pay for living on this planet. Absolutely. That's a good way to, to phrase it and to think of it. You know, my only concern would be is, and I've had this happen where one time a guy came up to me and, uh, you know, he's wearing a nice, like, suit and stuff and just said, hey, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, but just realized I left my wallet and and, uh, and I ran out of gas. Can you give me a hand? So, I, you know, yeah, gave him some money and sent him merrily on his way. And a few days later, I was back at that same restaurant because it was a... Um, uh, a sizzler that my brother and sisters worked at. And so I would stop in there on occasion. And the same guy comes walking up in the same suit, this time looking a little more bedraggled and, and a little dirty and, and basically telling me the same story. And I look at him and went, yeah, uh, you tried that one like, uh, you know, three days ago. And the guy just kind of looks at me, does a U-turn and starts walking the other way. I mean, he didn't even argue. He was like, yeah, okay. So he had gone on a bender, obviously. Um, 
you know, you're and, watching and, his life disintegrate. Yeah, yeah, and I felt horrible, but I was there's no way on earth I was going to give that guy more money. No, absolutely know? not. And I felt bad for him, but uh, you know, and I wasn't going to sit there and try to lecture him. He knew, you know. We both knew as soon as I I called him on it, but uh, hey, um, I'm looking at the clock here and thinking that we're running out of time. I know you got to get to work, so. Uh, uh, thanks for joining me and uh, listeners we appreciate you if you have an opportunity please go on Apple Podcasts and give us a good rating and say uh, you know uh, say that you like listening and if you don't like listening then just pretend I never asked <laughs> I'm Aaron Brinker and I'm Todd Brinker have a great day you t- have a great day everybody <laughs> you too Thank you.